Senior day did not go as planned last week at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. 52 seconds on the clock. It'll be a knee once, a knee twice, and ball game in favor of UMass. Tonight, BYU is in the islands to face Hawaii in the final game of the year. No, it's not a bowl game. It's, it's a regular season game, and we're going there to win a game, and that's our priority. With a long offseason waiting for them after this game, the Cougars are focused on making their final memory of 2017 a winning one. It's going to be fun to go to Hawaii, but it'll be even more fun to win the game. It's time to count you down to kickoff. BYU versus Hawaii on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Live coverage of BYU football begins with the Cougar Countdown Show. The Countdown Show is brought to you by Ken Garf Nissan, Honda, and Volkswagen. Proud sponsors of BYU and the Cougar community. We hear Cougs. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Good evening, BYU fans, and welcome into the Cougar Countdown Show. I'm Ben Bagley, filling in for Jason Shepard, who was on the call earlier today of BYU Hoops' 68-66 victory over UMass at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Tonight, the BYU Cougars on the football side look to end what has been a disappointing 2017 football season on a high note against a former WAC rival in Hawaii. Both BYU and Hawaii come into tonight's game with only three wins on the season. This will be the 30th time the Cougars and the Rainbow Warriors have faced each other on the gridiron, with BYU holding a 21-8 series lead. BYU also holds the series lead in games played in Hawaii at 12-8. The last time the two teams faced off was on September 28, 2012, and BYU won that game 47-0. Cougars hopefully looking for a mere image of that game tonight in Aloha Stadium in Honolulu. I'm now joined by BYU football analyst and former BYU QB Mark Lyons. Mark, you didn't play against Hawaii in your career, but you've nope. seen plenty of these games. What is it about this game that makes it a pseudo-rivalry for BYU but makes it a huge rivalry for the Rainbow Warriors? Boy, that's an interesting question because uh, when BYU would come over here to play, I mean, they were vicious. The fans were uh, tough on them. The games were very uh, hardly contested there. It was a, a real battle, and it turned out because so many home... Now, let's uh, the Polynesian culture is you're a family. Everybody's together, united, and you work with the family. Well, BYU is coming over and taking some of the better football players out of the islands and uh, getting them to go to Pro Bowl. And uh, it was like uh, they were stealing your brother. And uh, people here on the islands didn't like it very much that so many of their good players were going to BYU, and BYU was getting support and assistance, and they were playing very well. And so uh, it got to be, uh, well, it got to be a big deal. And so uh, Hawaii is always ready to play. In fact, I think it's still a record when they put 72 on BYU just thumped him. Uh, was that 2001? Ty Detmer had won the... Uh, was that the year? No, that was Doman. Doman was a quarterback that year. So anyway, they they got riled up, and BYU was like uh, 12-0 going into the game and got thumped 72-45. Uh, to 45. So uh, they're aroused when BYU shows up. Well, it's funny because uh, the guy who was buying that 72 points, Nick Rolovich, now the head coach of the BYU... Or the, Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. I spoke to him earlier this week in a conversation we'll hear later on in the pregame show about this game and this rivalry. And I said, hey, these two teams haven't played since 2012. But where does this stand on, on the rivalry scale for Hawaii? And he said, still 
the biggest rivalry the Rainbow Warriors have are the BYU Cougars. Yeah, yeah, see, and there he is. He's a former player and now their coach, and he's rallying them up. Yeah, you can imagine what that's, that's been like all week in the Hawaii locker room. Hey, there's no <laughs> day, doubt that this has been a disappointing season for BYU. Now the final game of what's either going to be a three- or four-win season. Simple question. What is BYU playing for? Well, it is a preparation for next year at this point. You know, three games ago, everybody was saying, you know, what are you playing for? And those games you still wanted to win out. You wanted to make sure that you finished with a run, put together a win streak, uh, kind of get the tables turned, and everybody feels good about preparation for the next year. Now, you come over to Hawaii. Now, I will say that we'd go to Wyoming and lose, and it was a bus ride back to Denver, an airplane ride to Salt Lake, and a bus ride down to Provo, and it was painful. That was a long trip, and it uh, it was painful. So if you lose to Hawaii, you've got like six hours to deal with it on an airplane. And so it's pretty it's, – it's trouble right at the start. Now, you got to uh, understand also that uh, it's kind of a, an amazing place here. It's, it's a different environment for sure. And uh, so the players do get a little chance to fool around a little bit, probably too much, and uh, to see if they're ready to play. That'll be interesting. So you come out. Let's, their, their attitude is we've got to show enough spunk today that shows that we're going to be a team next year. You know, uh, if we were to just compare, uh, UCF went undefeated today. They uh, won a football game, and they two years ago they were 0-12. Today they're 12-0. And so it can happen. Uh, Michigan State uh, was 8-3 and last year. Or, excuse me, 3-9 and last year, and they're 8-3 and today. So uh, that's what you're getting ready for is that turnaround season next year, and it helps to have some success in this final game of this season to kind of get rid of that bitter taste. You know, just beating UNLV, everybody was happy. It was like uh, yeah, it was like eating a Snickers bar. Everybody was good and they were happy. But then you lose the next week to UMass. Oh man, it was bitter. It's like eating poi. So uh, that's what you're looking at today. You want to come out a winner and be able to ride that wave for a while. Well, Mark, nice Hawaii analogies. I'm sure being in Hawaii, you took time out of your beach going this this morning to tune into the BYU basketball game on the new skin BYU Sports Network. But for those who may not have tuned in and may have missed it, BYU got the 68-66 victory over UMass on a dunk by Yoli Childs. With four seconds left, the Cougars moved to 4-2 and two on the season and will face Utah Valley University on Wednesday along many of these network stations. Coming up on the Cougar Countdown Show, we'll hear from Hawaii play-by-play man Bobby Curran. We'll also take your questions from Mark Lyons in our Ask Lyons segment. Go ahead and send in your questions to Mark via me on my Twitter account, at Ben Bags. Next, we'll hear from Kalani Sataki, Corbin Kafusi in Cougar Cuts. This is the Cougar Countdown Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons getting you ready for BYU and Hawaii. It's time for Cougar Cuts. The quarterback position has been a revolving door almost all season long for BYU. Offensive coordinator Ty Detmer discussed if he's comfortable with what he has at that position moving forward. 
We've got to get better. We've got to improve. You know, those are things that come with time and experience. And unfortunately, guys have been in and out and haven't had that opportunity to really grow in, in what we're doing. So you're always going to assess and evaluate, and we'll do all that next week and go through our end-of-the-year evaluations and, and then really see what we, what we feel like we need to do. Mark, speaking of that QB condition, our position, Joe Critchlow, this will be his third start of the season, looked good against UNLV in his first start, start, struggled last week against UMass. What do you expect out of Joe today? You know, it's all about how much help he gets. He got a lot of help at UNLV. The receivers made catches. They protected him like crazy. Really did a nice job of everybody stepping up and doing their job. He didn't get any help at all last week. Uh, UMass said they, they knew what they were doing. They said, we're going to come with everybody we can and put some heat on the young kid. And that's what they did. Uh, seven sacks or, and uh, just pressured all day long. Uh, it was a tough spot for him because uh, he was on his own, I felt like. Uh, receivers, he threw a lot of passes that were just barely off the fingertips of receivers, but they also had excellent coverage every time that he was throwing that ball deep and so uh, I still uh, think that Joe got a, you know, it was a tough thing for him to do. They gave him too much to deal with, too many drop back passes, needed to run the ball more. And uh, I think that would have helped him out quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what is their feeling today. Did they, they recognize that they gave him too much to do? So we'll see if they run the football a little bit more today. Both Kalani and Ty talking earlier this week about the need to run the ball a little bit to take the pressure off of a freshman QB. We'll see how that adjustment's made today. And I, I think you're right, Mark. One thing that's, I, I know it was frustrating to Cougar fans as I was watching on uh, the game at, at Lavelle Stadium and watching via Twitter as well uh, is the dropped passes by the receivers as well, yeah. not helping their quarterback out. You're a former quarterback. Yeah. You, you like when your receivers go up and make a play. Oh, man. Because... <laughs> You know, and I don't. You can't ever criticize because I would. Uh, they'd be open, and I'd not get them to them. And then if they were open and dropped them, I had to say, you know, what's fair is fair, and uh, so I couldn't be upset. But uh, when when you had guys that could go out and make a catch that was a ball that probably wouldn't have been caught, man, that's such a big deal. There hasn't been much to be positive about this season from the BYU side, but according to Corbin Kafusi, a win in the final game would be a big deal heading into the off season. I think it definitely does. I think that's kind of a little springboard. You know, if you can win this game, then, okay, that kind of sets us off on the right foot to get our minds right because we'll be back at it the next week. Yeah, a win in the final game going into the offseason. That, that, that kind of sweet taste in your mouth could, could have an effect going into offseason in the spring and into fall next year. They're all competitors. That's the thing that I, I look at. Every one of those guys has been uh, playing football or uh, whatever for a long time. They play all the sports. And the fact that they go out there to, to play, when they put it on, they they plan to compete. And uh, I know there's a lot of frustration. So uh, every time you put it on and step on the field, you've got to be in an attitude that you're going to win this game. Now, with both of these teams looking at such terrible seasons this year for each of them, I don't know how confident they are that they can come out and win a game. They're coming out to say, how's this game going to go? Whoever gets the attitude, we're going to stomp you today, I think gets the leg up on winning this thing. Yeah, you mentioned, I, th I think it's interesting. I was looking at some stats getting ready for this game. And on that same note of slow starts, Hawaii this season has yet yeah, to score right. on the opening drive of a game. Yeah. 
So BYU so, maybe gets out there, scores early, and who knows? Maybe that maybe just kind of takes the heart out of Hawaii early. That's what I know. I, I really think that is the attitude you have to to take. Look at the team. You know, Auburn is great on defense, and they upset Alabama today. Now, they knew that was a tough task, but they went out and got it done. Uh, Fresno State beat Boise State. Uh, yesterday, uh, it was Pitt beating Miami. It, it happens, you know, every weekend, and uh, you just got to come out and be ready to play early. Get with it early. The Warriors are in the same boat as BYU in terms of wa- wanting the season to end the end the season with a W. Coach Sataki talks about this Hawaii team and what they bring to the table. They've had some struggles this year too, you know, and obviously they had some struggles last week. And but you know, I, I think they run the ball well. And, and I know I've known Nick Rolovich for a long time, and I know his style of football. He's been around, and, and he understands the game, and, and um, he knows how to put points up. I, I think that they have a really good running back, and they have guys that, that care about winning too. And so this, the stuff that I'm saying is the same stuff that they're saying to their guys too. And so they're trying to build uh, for next year and, and trying to send their seniors out the right way. And we're trying to do the same thing. So uh, we have a common goal you know and it's just going to matter and who, who can get that accomplished on Saturday I'm curious to see how fired up this Warriors team comes out we talked earlier about the what the rivalry Hawaii has against BYU and a senior day on top of that plus yeah, wanting to right. end the season on a high note that's three good things going in Hawaii's favor as far as firing them up for this game boy isn't that the truth I, I agree with that completely that uh, you know when you were saying that if you get on them early maybe they fold I don't think there's much fold right now. I think they're coming out to play a full game and get after BYU. Uh, if they were to get down, you know, significantly early, then I think that there's a chance that BYU can roll them. But uh, I think it's going to be competitive throughout. Coming up next, we'll talk to the radio play-by-play voice of the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, Bobby Curran. The Cougar Countdown Show continues in a moment on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons with you. We are also joined by the play-by-play voice of the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, Bobby Curran. Bobby, thanks for joining us today, and aloha. Nice to be with you, fellas. I spoke to head coach Nick Rolovich earlier this week, and he told me that this BYU game is the biggest rivalry game for Hawaii. How has that sentiment changed the feel in preparation for the game this week? Well, you know, it's funny. I think this is a generational thing, and certainly I'm in my 28th year, and when I was starting, there was absolutely – we could play SC, Nebraska, but there was nothing that rivaled (laughs) playing BYU. And because they haven't played as much, I think some of the younger players really have to – and certainly players on the current team – have to, and young fans have to kind of read about it and get the chance of leading up to this week. So many of them now know far more about it. But certainly when Nick Rovich was playing in the 1991 game when BYU came in ranked number eight and they – you know, and they were had at the time been complaining, and I kind of thought rightfully, well, how was the BCS like ignoring them? Yeah. But that seemed to motivate Hawaii's players. That, in my mind, that was the last of the huge, where it was really a huge rivalry. Hawaii actually won that game big. Big. I remember at one point after a couple of Hawaii wins in the late eighties, and they had they were the first two wins in I don't know ten or twelve years. I remember I think it was Lavelle Edwards who said that if Hawaii beat them in Provo, he would 
jump off some mountain range, you know, in in your in the Provo area. So I I remember thinking, well, at least he's starting to get this. But when I would go up to Provo, I remember talking to some of the people on campus, and they they were bemused by the fact that Hawaii thought this was such a big rivalry. One of the guys grabbed me and said, hey, "Our rival is Utah." Yeah. So I found that to be, you know, it was a little yeah. one-sided, but it happened because BYU had just come over here, whipped Hawaii, thanked them for the aloha, and went back to Provo. So now they were recruiting a lot of the Polynesian kids from the area, and uh, I thought that that was part of it. I think there's also a change now because everybody's over here taking them, right? Well, uh, I mean, all the Pac-12 guys are coming over to take all those players. And not just Pac-12. I mean, there's a Hawaii player who was recruited by Clemson. There's one on Alabama's roster. The starting quarterback at Ole Miss is yeah. from Hawaii. I mean, they are pretty much everywhere. Now, people realize you can get some pretty good football players here. It's important to the, cho- to the young yeah, guys I'd- here. You look at uh, this game today, and, and, and specifically Hawaii's running back, Diosami St. Just. By the way, one of the best football names out there, Diosami St. Yes. Just. Yeah, you has a, chan- has a chance to ink his name in the Hawaii record books today with just 28 yards rushing to make him the single-season rushing leader in Hawaii school history. What makes him such a successful running back? Well, I think there's a couple of things. While he's short, he has a tremendously low center of gravity, but he's also freakishly strong. And, you know, he was overlooked by some of the schools in Florida just because they were like, we don't need 5A. We, got, we have plenty of 6-1s that putting up the same kind of numbers he did. But he just is so strong. He, he for example, can squat over 500 pounds. For a guy that's, you know, 5-8, that might be even generous. He, uh, you know, he is, what, two, 195, 200? I mean, he's extraordinarily um, strong. He also does fa- phenomenal on all the, the kind of agility tests, the shuttle run and all of those kind of the cone drill. He's, he's crazy fast at those things. Hard to bring down once he gets ahead of steam up. The problems have come in, in a few games this year when there not only has there not been a hole, there hasn't been a crease. And the offensive line for Hawaii is so jerry-rigged now with it through injuries that it's been really, really tough. But, you know, he's, uh, he's still the heart and soul of the offense, and so no question about it. Now, Drew Brown's helping him out there. He's completing 60-plus, you know, uh, on his passes. And uh, got a couple of receivers that are Utah kind of kids almost. Uh, yes. Kid from Alta and then uh, Dylan... Uh, Dylan Colley, sure. Colley came from BYU, yeah. You know, if they had had another Utah player uh, from Utah, John Ursua, he was oh, leading yeah. the country in receptions, I think, four games in when he suffered an ACL season-ending injury. But he's really fun to watch. So BYU's really upset that you're coming over and taking those Utah players over here. Turn, turnabout <laughs> is fair play, Mark. <laughs> Hawaii has either trailed or been tied in nine of their 11 games this season at the end of the first quarter. And, and I, we were just talking, Mark and I were just discussing the previous segment that they've yet to score on an opening drive of a game. Has Coach Rolovich discussed the need for this Rainbow Warriors team to, in this final game, get out to some sort of a quick start? I think that the coach has been perplexed 
ever since they recognized this as an issue two or three games in. It's like, why are we starting so slowly? I used to say, well, whatever you do, let's let's do all that stuff, what you're doing in the first half. Let's do those in warm-ups because the second halves have been so much better. I don't know what that is. I suppose if somebody you know knew the answer, they'd bottle it, sell it, make a lot of money selling it to football coaches because he's not he, – he hasn't – they haven't been able as a, as a staff or even uh, Coach Rolovich as a head coach been able to get a handle on that. I mean, it's almost inexplicable. This is not a team that takes anybody lightly, clearly, but for some reason it's the first quarters have been – Dreadful. I mean, we have renamed. We said, don't call it the first quarter. Call it three and out because that's really what it's been. Now, the defense, uh, they run that kind of a scramble defense. They got guys coming from all directions. The safeties make a lot of tackles up there on the line of scrimmage. But they give up 200 yards a game in the rush. How does that, how does that go It's that hard way? to figure. And I think, Mark, as you watch this game tonight, the one name you will be calling a ton will be Jelani Tavai, whereas number 31, the middle linebacker, he has been spectacular. There have been breakdowns elsewhere. They haven't been able to get pressure. Sometimes it's been like, okay, the guy we're vulnerable in the perimeter. And then it seems like in a couple of weeks they get that fixed. And then suddenly people are gashing in between the tackles. It's like, guys, can we maybe put all of this together? That would be a good recipe for maybe getting a W. Bobby, thanks so much for your time today on the Cougar pregame Shakur Countdown live show. Uh, have a good call, and then here's to hoping we end this. Uh, both teams give us a good game to end the season on. Ben, wishing you were here. Maloha, my friend. <laughs> I wish I was there too. Don't. <laughs> thanks for rubbing that in again. I've already heard yeah. that this week from everybody else, Mark included. So yeah. uh, we'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later. But coming up next, it's your chance to ask Lions. If you have a question for Mark Lions, tweet me at Ben Bags. Use the hashtag. Ask Lions. You're listening to the Cougar Countdown Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. I'm Ben Bagley here in Provo, the Provo Studios of BYU Radio, and Mark Lyons joins me from Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii. Mark wins. We'll just put that down right there, Mark, right? You get the <laughs> W on that here. one. I'll tell you, it's nice. Uh, yeah, I was sitting out on the deck having uh, some nachos here for lunch looking at the ocean oh yeah it's pretty tough well, that sounds tough i mean I, I i told you i told you off the air just a second i'll share the segment on the air is after uh after the basketball game yesterday i'm driving home and greg texts myself and jason shepherd and mark durant who are in new york saying hey nice job on the call today i'll enjoy hawaii mark jason you enjoy new york city <laughs> the next text i get oh and ben enjoy provo and utah like, thanks. You guys are very nice to rub that in. Thank you. So enjoy your nachos and your sunsets, Mark. But yeah, soon yeah. you'll be back to join me in Provo. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the truth. Uh, there is that painful ride home. I, and my, my ride home is much shorter than yours. So there, I've got that. I, I win. There's a win for Ben. That's right. Hey, it's is time it for everything. Yeah, it's time for our Ask Lions segment. Mark, Cougar fans have questions for you. Let's go see what they have to say. The first one comes from Jan. Uh, how big of a distraction is being in Hawaii for this game over a holiday weekend? Yeah, I, it is. I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. Uh, 
I was just uh, talking with Nate. He went to Hanama Bay this morning. Greg and I were here a long time ago, and uh, we didn't have a rental car. We grabbed two scooters and uh, rode them out to Hanama Bay, and we went snorkeling out there and uh, jumped back on those scooters in time to get back for our night game here, in the, here at the stadium. And so I was. it was so refreshing to see that there were, well, I don't know, there were players jumping on these scooters. Now, you, you got to see Coroma. Uh, on uh, one of those little Lambretta kind of things that uh, <laughs> 300 pounds on there was. And so he was trying to get it to go. It had a hard time moving him around. But those guys jumped on, and so they were zooming around Honolulu. I don't know where they were going, but they all came back alive. Now, you've got to think that uh, that might be a distraction. But look at Jamal Williams. Jamal would go out in pregame and play catch with people in the stands. He'd throw passes up there, and, and everybody said, he's got to be thinking of the game. you got to get focused. What are you doing? And he was just having some fun as he would toss the ball up in the stands with people and kind of associate with them. And uh, I think that uh, it's a hard line, but you're here in Hawaii. They came early enough to acclimate. They had lots of time on their hand. I think uh, you have to give them something to do. You can't have meetings and practice all day. So uh, it is a distraction, but they have to remind them daily and in their meetings that uh, here's the reason we're here. They've got to watch film. They've got to do uh, team meetings. It's not uh, all pregame meal and fun. Maybe so, a pleasant distraction, if anything. I mean, the, yeah, I the distraction can go it, either way. It could uh, relax them a little bit, make them feel a little more at ease. But you've got to get focus back. That's the thing. On game day, you've got to get the focus back. And so game day, they go through their pregame meal. They go through their pregame meetings just like every other game. And I think that it's going to help them to get recognized. They're going to recognize, hey, there's a football game today. It's a tough opponent. We've got to go out and win one. David asked this question. Can Joe Critchlow do anything today that may solidify him as the odds-on favorite as the number one QB going into spring and fall next year? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to uh, – no, I don't think so. Uh, he, had the, he had a nice outing at UNLV, and then, again, we already talked about some of the challenges that he had. He was just not ready for the game plan against UMass. Uh, and so today, you know, if he lit him up, if, I mean, if he was Jim McMahon out there today, uh, yeah, I think that's probably going to give him a, a leg up on everybody else. But uh, he's still young enough. He's still going to have to show himself next year in spring ball. And uh, he's going to have to work hard in the off season. All of those things are going to go. Uh, it'll be great if he's able to come in and uh, play well. Oh, man, I'm, I can't believe I'm bringing this story up because... I can't remember his name. Somebody's going to have to text in and tell us. BYU came here to an Aloha Bowl, and uh, they used four quarterbacks in that season. They played Kansas here, and Steve Young's younger brother was a quarterback, and I just can't, uh, cannot remember his first name. Uh, well, I'll get it in a minute. I'll do it. Uh, he came out, and he's a fourth string quarterback, just like Steve Young was the sixth stringer, but he came out and played a whale of a game in that Aloha Bowl. That's what you've got to be able to do. You're a college recruit. You're a college football player. You're playing Division I football against pretty good opponents, and you've got to be able to show up on the day that you're going to play, and you've got to be able to perform like they expected you to when you were a high school recruit. So uh, I do believe that there is an awful lot 
to uh, the fact that uh, Joe is a young player, but he's filling in now. He's the man. He's got to take charge and lead him. By the way, that was Tom Young, I'm being told. Tom Young, yeah, thank you very much. It was Tommy Young, yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing about that, though, is just by default, he might be the number one in spring. Is Tanner Mangum's not going to be healthy, and we'll see how Bo Hodge progresses as well. That's right. By default, Joe Critchlow may be the number one going into spring ball. Provided they don't bring in some J.C. kid at semester. Brian Brian wants to ask the following question, or or just basically a statement with a little bit of a question. Fred Warner's last game tonight as a BYU Cougar, what is his defining moment at BYU in your mind? Oh, man. There's... (laughs) Yeah, there's so many. Uh, I loved uh, his interception uh, pick against uh, uh, Utah State and uh, was able to run that thing in. And uh, he's just such a leader. You know, even to the point that coaches said uh, one of the games this year, they said we'd see which side that uh, Warner was on and then we would audible away from him. So when you're that kind of player that teams are going to stay away from you because of your strength and abilities, that's, that's so commendable. That, that's being a superstar. So uh, I think Fred Warner is an excellent leader. Golly, he's been here just four years, and he's already going. You know, when uh, we look at these players as freshmen and think, oh, man, we get to see him now for three more years, and then three more years go by so fast that uh, it's already time for him to go. And uh, I like his leadership. I like his uh, positive attitude. He's been a uh, good guy. You know, he, you step in the huddle with Fred Warner, and you know you're playing with a good player. It's interesting because I remember four years ago having him on BYU Sports Nation the day he was moving <laughs> on to campus and how, how yeah. he's grown and changed both not, not just physically and as a football player, but but mentally and emotionally as well as a leader and a leader of this team. So. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird. They grow up so fast, don't they, Mark? Man, it just happens so fast. And, you know, now I'm thinking Kyrus Tonga. He's the freshman that I like this year. He's four years will be going, what? It's already over? Yeah. Uh, last question here. This one from uh, Blaine. He asks, will we see more Squally running or Joe throwing in today's game? <laughs> we're going to see. Now, we're just going to see uh, if what the coaches were talking about uh, last week, uh, if they really mean it. Uh, last week, they felt as though they gave uh, Joe too much to do, too many throws, too many reads, uh, too many uh, opportunities to create something wrong. And uh, I think that uh, they felt as though they should have run the football more. And they, it was all, maybe we threw too much. Now, Hawaii is pretty similar in their yardage. Uh, give, they give up a lot of yards on the run, 203 yards a game. And uh, I think that uh, it's a, you've got to test that early. I just think that you don't go up and uh, throw the ball up in the air as often as they did last week. You've got to get into a situation where you're going to be more balanced in your attack, and it's also going to help in the way that they approach the football game. So I'm expecting a balanced approach, pretty much even. Uh, I think early in the game we should see more run than pass. Oh, I'd like to see, uh, well, especially early, but I'd like to see Squally Canada get it going again. Even like with Squally Canada, it can, you know, it's just so hard to... So Squally had 12 carries in the first half, and then he, KJ was playing in the third quarter. 
And, you know, that's right off the week of 213 yards of Squally at UNLV. Now, they know more than I do. They see practice every day. They know the injury situation. They know the mind. So they understand all of those things that are going on. But as a, an observer, as we watch a football game, uh, looked like uh, Squally did have his motor tuned up and was ready to go, and uh, they were leaving him in the pits. If you missed it earlier today along the new skin BYU Sports Network, Dave Rose and the BYU basketball team get a come-from-behind win in Brooklyn, New York over UMass, 68-66. to Yoli Childs had 19 points, including a go-ahead dunk with four seconds left in that game. When we come back, my she- or the Shep Talk set conversation next with Thomas Schoff. The Cougar Countdown show continues next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. Ben Bagley and Mark Lyons with you tonight. The Cougars take on this, uh, take on the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, both teams with three wins on the season. This week's Shep Talk Conversations with BYU sophomore offensive lineman Thomas Schof. Schof has started every game this season for the Cougars at left tackle. The Indiana native served his mission in Honolulu, so this is somewhat of a homecoming for him. This is just one of the things he discussed with Jason Shepard in this week's Shep Talk. It seems like we've asked this question all year long because there's been so many ups and downs. We, we asked the mood question, but what has been the mood this week as you guys near the final game of the season? Hard to say. I think obviously there's a lot of disappointment. There's also um, a lot of excitement going into you know what's going to be a, a fun destination to play. But I think you know the main main mood is just to give our seniors the best thing we can, and that's a win. How surprised? Not just you, but your teammates how surprised are you that this season has gone the way that it has very surprised there's there's nothing to hint to this obviously nobody plans on being on their fifth quarterback of the season um losing 30 something guys to uh injury doesn't help there's one more i went into early treatment and it looked like a triage ward from world war ii and it's just <laughs> there's a lot of guys that that haven't been able to play at their prime and you know, I think it's just been a perfect storm, and obviously playing stiff competition, um, it's kind of an all-or-none thing. Either do well and it helps you, helps you out, or you look bad. We've heard all season long that the that this group has done a really good job of still maintaining a high level of confidence and work ethic. How much has that been a positive for you guys to kind of rely on this year? It's been everything. You know, with the season that's, you know, with fall camp, it's four months. Four months long, um, you know, your attitude towards it's important. Um, owe that a lot, a lot of that to our coaching staff and Coach Kalani and, you know, trying to be upbeat and making sure that we understand that we can, we can learn from it and we can move on. So with this week against Hawaii, it's, it's obviously a, with it being the last game, there's that aspect. But then you throw in the fact that it's Thanksgiving and you're going to Hawaii. There's a lot going on this week. Absolutely. Um, and big, big themes so far, you know, it's only Monday, but it's been being focused. It's a radio season game. It's not a bowl game. We're not there to party, but we're there to get a win and to leave on a good note. I realize by the time that this airs on Saturday, Thanksgiving will have already passed, but be remiss if I didn't ask you what you're thankful for. I'm thankful for a lot. You know, I've got a great family that's been very supporting. 
um, of me through this all. I'm grateful for my wife. She's been a big help this season in making sure that I'm doing what I need to to stay healthy and to get my rest. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to play at BYU and to represent the university to be able to go to college and to play the game we love. That's interesting. You mentioned your wife and your family. How, how much of a uh, positive has that been for you to be able to rely on them when football's done you're done for the day and you go home to be able to have your family to rely on it's definitely huge obviously as as a football team and coach Klein's big theme is we are a family here um, and that's helped a lot but having a family at home and you know there's a lot more outside of of football outside of football in life so being positive everywhere else definitely helps maintain a positive attitude when it comes to football as most probably know you served your mission in hawaii i want to know first of all now there's a lot of really cool places that you can go on a mission hawaii i'm certainly i would think would be right up there so what was it like being in hawaii first of all for your mission uh, it was incredible. Um, it's definitely not what everybody anticipates. You know, it's still a mission, still the Lord's work, and we, we still do a lot. And um, There's a lot of things that people, oh, that must be so nice to do this and that. But, you know, in reality, we're missionaries, and our mission motto is the mission ends where the sand begins. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I don't know what's worse, being in the middle of the United States or being 100 <laughs> yards from the beach and not being able to touch it. So you tell me, but uh, I loved it. Um, it's a great people. It's a very humbling experience to see. So many people have so little, give so much. Do you have anything set up with seeing any of the members that you taught or anything like that when you go over there, or is there just not time for that? I'm trying to do my best. Obviously, we don't have our itinerary and our priorities to game, but I, I served in Honolulu for about six months, so um, there's a couple of families that are close, and I know a couple that are coming in from Molokai to see our game and other places. So hopefully you get to see them, but I'm sure I'll go back soon. Hawaii playing BYU is a big deal for Hawaii, right. and there's been a long history of these two teams playing each other. But having been there, being around Warrior fans and things like that, how big is it when BYU comes to town? To be honest, I'm not quite sure. Obviously, BYU didn't play there while I was there, um, and not a lot of people talk about Warrior football. So <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. I met more BYU fans than I did UH fans. So Now, I know that it was, um, with it being the last game, I know that you guys have been asked a lot about, so are you treating this like a Bowl game, and I know that you guys have been very quick to say, "Look, priority number one is winning this game." So, how do you guys maintain that type of focus, knowing that in a great place you are still here to play football game? I think a lot of it comes from maturity, responsibility, and each each player, each coach taking ownership of you know their their portion of the responsibility and being focused on our meetings, being focused at our practices, and things like that, and. You know, Coach Kalani, I'm sure, is going to give us some time to relax and to go out on the sand, things like that. I think it just takes maturity and responsibility to, to focus in when it's necessary and to relax, obviously, when we're not. I know it's always important to get a W, but what would it mean heading into the off season to go into the off season with a win? How much does that change your attitude? Uh, I think it means a lot. Obviously, each week we, you've got the attitude coming off the last game, and so this is the longest preparation week of the season, <laughs> you know, nine months preparing for the next game. So um, it's huge to have a win at our back and to be able to build off of that. All right, Thomas, let's wrap things up with the final four. If you could only eat one cereal for the rest of your life, what cereal would you eat? I like Chex a lot. Chex, just like normal Chex, nothing, nothing, you know, crazy. I, my mom had a rule of ten grams of sugar or less growing up, so <laughs> I fell in love with a lot of pretty, pretty average cereals. Chex, uh, Crispix, I think, mm -hmm. is the name brand, but either Chex or uh, multigrain Cheerios. Get the healthy guy. Now, but now Chex. Now, are we talking rice Chex or corn Chex? Corn all the way. I'm, 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 I'm an Indiana boy. So. <laughs> I'm not messing with this rice stuff. Question number two. What is your favorite Disney character? 
Well, technically, doesn't Disney own Marvel now? They do. Yes, they do. So let me go Iron Man by default. Okay. All right. Iron Man. Haven't had that one this year. Uh, All right. When they make your life story into a movie, which actor do you want to play you? Harrison Ford. The younger Harrison Ford. Okay. Now, that was a very quick answer. And why Harrison Ford? He's just a great actor. Um, I I like his personality a lot, and I've liked a lot of his work. All right. Last question. What is the best part about playing football for BYU? You know, just the atmosphere. It's just a great atmosphere to play in, a great program to be a part of. We have a lot of fun on the field, and we have a lot of fun off the field, and we make the most of it. And It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of grind, but we try to make the most of it, and I enjoy that. And we get to play a lot of great competition all over, being independent. It has its, it has its perks. Thomas, great stuff. Thank you so much, and good luck against the Warriors. Thank you. There you go, Jason Shepard with Thomas Schof in this week's Shep Talk. Uh, Mark, I want to ask you one question. So it's mostly the same question that J- uh, Jason asked Thomas there, is what would a win today mean for this team going into the offseason? Well, again, I'm going to go back to how everybody felt so good after that UNLV win. You know, it's been so long uh, since they've had that kind of a feeling, but it was euphoric. Uh, beating UNLV was uh, such a lift. And uh, it took so much uh, weight off the shoulders. And so that same thing is true, that they are going to go out today with a chance to make a, uh, an impression. They're going to be able to uh, play well enough to win. And if they come out with that victory, it, it's a lift. It gives you a high. It's a, there's probably something going on in your brain that uh, makes you feel good about it. And so I really think that uh, it's important to be able to have that opportunity Otherwise, you start to forget how to win. You start to learn how to lose. And uh, you've got to get rid of that feeling going into this next season. Coming up next, we'll look ahead to the Cougar pregame live show and we'll visit with the voice, Greg Rubel. That's the Cougar Countdown show continues after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to the Cougar Countdown Show. I'm Ben Bagley filling in for Jason Shepard and also joined by Mark Lyons coming up on Cougar Pregame Live. Nate Mickle will join me for Nate's Notes. And you'll hear from Nick Rolovich, Hawaii head coach, talking about this rivalry game from his perspective against the BYU Cougars. That's all coming up on Cougar Pregame Live. It's now time to visit with The Voice, sponsored by Harper's Homemade Bread, all natural, homemade fresh, and homemade good. Joining us is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, aloha. Aloha, Brother Ben. Yes, and I appreciate it. I told Mark this story and our listeners earlier this story, the, the nice text from you yesterday enjoy, have, and telling everybody to enjoy where they are, especially me and Provo. <laughs> Someone's got to be there, and uh, this time it's you, but uh, I'm glad you're there. Uh, long couple of days for you, great work in the studio, and we're just hoping today, right, Ben, to go, uh, to go two for two. Uh, hey, we we're got looking a nice for win. the undefeated Saturday. That'd be fantastic for the BYU. Opposite of what, the opposite of what we had last Saturday. Uh, last Saturday did not feel good at 0 for 2, and we're looking to flip it around today and to finish off this day uh, late into the Utah night uh, with a win here at UH. It'll be a 4 o'clock Hawaiian Standard Time kick, so it should be dark around halftime or so, but this game will begin in sunshine. And sunshine and clouds, sunshine and rain have been the order of the day the last couple of days, really. It's been a breezy uh, week in Hawaii, and uh, the the rain has been on on and off, intermittent throughout the day. There's been a lot of showers here at the stadium, actually, but uh, like Mark says, Mark's fond of saying, the water here isn't wet. 
<laughs> so, so when it rains, you don't really get soaked in, in, in Mark's uh, perspective. And so it's one of those uh, kind of a misty, sun showery type days uh, here in Honolulu. Yeah, and I feel so bad for you. Uh, speaking of uh, never, never a bad day here. It's true. Yes. <laughs> Spe- speaking of this game, you just got a chance to finish uh, your pregame interview with head coach Kalani Sataki. Anything of note coming from that conversation? Uh, you know, we're, there, there are a couple of uh, uh, personnel notes that I think might be more evident once the game begins. We might hold off on a couple of them, but uh, one thing we can talk about is, uh, is Kairos Tonga. Uh, Kairos has had really, a, a, I think, for a true freshman season, if not a breakout campaign, certainly glimpses of, of the excellence uh, that I think he'll provide for BYU up front in seasons to come. But Kairos has had an injury plague latter part of the season and uh, is unlikely to play tonight. So it's, it's, it's more than likely that BYU's interior of the line will go without uh, Kairos Tonga. Uh, the linebacking core fairly established right now with uh, Warner, Pau, and Pulsifer manning the three spots. So you've got your still eight- or nine-man rotation up front, even without Kairos Tonga. A solo Wolfgram didn't play last week, may be able to go. He's here. We'll see how he looks early. And again, we'll, we'll kind of save a couple of notes in the secondary till closer to game time, but there could be some personnel adjustments there uh, for BYU. K.J. Hall is once again out at running back, and so uh, you're going to go with Squally Canada, Austin Kofensis, Braden Elbakri, Riley Burt being the fourth of four. The more interesting note is at quarterback, and uh, and Kalani will talk about this, but because we've gotten to game 13, and Cody Wilstead hasn't played yet, uh, Kalani, if I can read between his lines, is of the opinion that uh, should should Joe Critchlow struggle? I mean, really, maybe not even struggle is the right word. Should he get hurt and they need to go to somebody other than Joe? Uh, it'll be a real serious discussion as to whether they, you know, take a redshirt off of Cody for less than one game of a season or go with Coy Detmer. So Coy Detmer is prepared to be a backup today uh, behind Joe Critchlow. That said, they don't want to totally shut the door on the Cody Wilson situation, but the indication I got from Kalani was with one game to go, it'd be nice if Joe can go all the way, play well, obviously, and if they had to go another direction, uh, Coy Detmer is back in the mix because it is game 13. Greg, did uh, Kalani happen to say anything about uh, what he felt like the attitude was for the today's game? He felt that uh, it's all about, uh, again, seniors going out the right way and desperate for a win. And uh, he, he felt that, that, that the team mindset was all about just that thing, that it wasn't really a reflection on only having three wins in 12 games as much as there's one chance for one win on this day. And uh, they have been here since Wednesday. Kalani's felt that uh, that the division of work and leisure was was adequate and appropriate and uh, felt that he said everyone was smart with their time this week. That was his belief, that people were smart with their time and got themselves ready to play here tonight. Uh, Kalani ID'd the turnover margin as uh, the first thing he thought had to happen in BYU's favor to get the result BYU wants it today. It was a zero takeaway day last week. And uh, you can't. You, you, it's tough to win uh, if your defense isn't forming, uh, forcing some kind of disruption. And, and we'll talk about it in pregame some more. Mark and I will, Ben. But BYU last year was a very havoc rate centric team. And you and I have discussed havoc rate, Ben, in the past. Yep. And, and the havoc rate number plummeted this year from uh, top twenty to bottom twenty nationally. And so it's 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 not you know it, it's it's not coincidental that BYU's win total has dropped as a result. That said, the offense, you know, didn't pull its weight through 12 games this year. And and really, you could argue for the last two seasons, 
uh, with the average point numbers BYU's putting up, they haven't really kept pace with the defense. The defense hasn't been spectacular, and, and, and the past defense has struggled this year. But on the whole, the defense has done enough to keep BYU in enough games. But what really lacked this year was those disruptive plays, those sudden change plays, uh, roughly half the number of takeaways this year as opposed to what BYU had last year. And that uh, means a lot in, in what BYU was able to cobble together, getting nine wins. Again, the offense wasn't, again, uh, wasn't spectacular last year. It was better with Jamal and Taysom. But even then, they, they benefited greatly from 31 takeaways last year that BYU's defense earned. And this year, the number's down to 16. Right, Greg, uh, do you Mark, think, oh. Mark was asked this question a little bit earlier, Greg, and I want to get, kind of get your thought process on this. At UNLV, it was the Joe Critchlow show. Uh, benefited with Squally Canada having a big game. Last week, they put a lot on Joe, and the running game kind of eh, diminished and kind of disappeared a little bit. Kalani and Ty talked earlier this week about maybe that mixing that up a little bit more, and the question was asked, Mark, earlier by one of the listeners, are we going to see more Joe today or are we going to see more Squally? Do you get a feel of kind of what that mix is going to look like today? Well, based on everything we uh, we had shared with us in the week following the loss to UMass, it would be more of the run and not asking Joe to do as much. I, I'd, I'd be personally surprised if Joe's passing 45 times as he did last week. I, I, I think ideally uh, that number is closer to 30 and, and the carries number is closer to 40. And, and that's where I think BYU should be right now with a true freshman making only his third start. There are things you simply can't ask a guy making his third start to do that you can ask of a guy in his third season as starting quarterback or second or third season as starting quarterback. And I think they acknowledged that last week they gave Joe too much to do. And in hindsight, uh, the game plan was flawed considering how BYU had run and considering how UMass had allowed yards to be gained against it uh, by the run. And so uh, it's one of those things where they thought he was ready for a little more and maybe more than he could handle last week. And they felt that UMass's coverage would give BYU some one-on-one shots and they weren't hit uh, off the get-go or really at any point consistency uh, consistently during the course of the game. Hey Greg, uh, watching video of Hawaii, there have been a lot of empty stadiums here uh, playing at home. So I'm curious to see, with BYU being here today, first of all, there will be fans here supporting, and uh, I wonder if there's going to be fans here uh, against, and I'm curious to see if this becomes one of their better crowds this year. Oh, I, I, you know, it's tough to tell right now because we are looking at uh, we're yeah. an hour before game time, right? And I think the gates are just barely now opened, and it's just uh, dots of people around the stadium. But the dots I'm looking at are blue-shirted <laughs> dots. And so uh, it, it may not be the half-and-half half that you get in Las Vegas, but I think you're going to be able to hear the BYU fans out there today. And if you're Hawaii and you haven't uh, – you, you're four games in a row, you've lost four in a row – BYU in town gives you as much a shot as, as any to get the crowd involved and get your players excited to play one more game. So it may not be the epic BYU-Hawaii battles maybe of seasons past, but it is BYU and UH and uh, always brings a little extra buzz to the building. Well, Greg, thanks for your time. We'll hear more from you, including the interview with head coach Kalani Stocky coming up in about a half an hour. Thanks, Ben. That's going to do it for the Cougar Countdown Show. My thanks to Mark Lyons and Greg Rebell for joining us during the Cougar Countdown Show. They'll have more from them coming up later on in the hours. We get you ready for kickoff of BYU at Hawaii. Coming up next, it's Cougar Pregame Live. You're listening to the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned into BYU football on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with Cougar Pregame Live. He's going to go! Touchdown! Cougar Pre-Game Live is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 25 years. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. 
Welcome into Cougar pregame live. My name is Ben Bagley. The Cougars are getting ready to face the Hawaii Rainbows in Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii. Before we get more into that, including a chat with Nate Mickle, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification along the Cougar New Skin BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. Coming up, you'll hear from the Rainbow Warriors head coach, Nick Rolovich, in a conversation I had with him earlier this week. Earlier today on the new skin BYU Sports Network, BYU Hoops got a 68-66 victory over UMass at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. More on that game later. We already talked about BYU looking to go 2-0 on a Saturday afternoon, which would be the exact opposite of what happened last Saturday. But we start things off on the Cougar pregame live show with Nate's Notes, brought to you by Nissan. Proud supporter of college athletics. Learn more to, at choosenissan.com. Now former Cougar and current sideline reporter Nate Mickle joins me. Nate, I trust your Thanksgiving was good and Hawaii's been great, basing off of the stories I've already heard. Sounds like uh, you were playing the role of Aquaman earlier today. Yeah, well, let's be careful about saying Thanksgiving was good. I had three kids on planes for like eight hours. The <laughs> one-year-old decided to fall asleep the moment we landed here in Honolulu, so uh, he was going strong for the whole time. So it was definitely a Thanksgiving to uh, forget, but the Black Friday and the days after, yeah, that's been incredible. And I should say, you know, I'm a pretty old guy now, 36 years old. Um, so old. Winds, you can hear the wind blowing, by the way, and a bird just about got blown into us here in the press box. Uh, I took my, I went snorkeling for the first time today, and it was my daughter's first time. So I'm out there holding hands, and she picked it up. She's eight years old. So, uh, so far, just an incredible time here, and can't wait for the game tonight. I, I've got to stop asking you guys about your time in Hawaii because all it's doing is just not like, okay, I'm sitting here in Pro Bowl, you guys. Come on. It can't be that terrible. Hey, first, as we get ready for the game today, what's the mentality of this BYU team as they prepare for their final game of what's been a disappointing season? Yeah, uh, it's almost like, to me, it would be uh, next season. You know, that like we're thinking about today so that we can set ourselves up for next season. Uh, of course, the seniors aren't thinking that. The seniors just want to go out with a bang. Uh, but the coaches, the you know, the the, the juniors, the sophomores, the freshmen, the administrators, uh, everybody just wants to set themselves up for next season. Uh, and, of course, they want to finish this season strong. Uh, but you think back to that UNLV game. Uh, UNLV, I, BYU was struggling coming in. And I kind of expected BYU to play against UNLV the way BYU played against UMass. UMass and then they just pulled out a great game against UNLV and after that game you know things felt good and yeah it was only UNLV and and it wasn't a top 25 team but it was a win against a, an old uh, conference rival and, and things felt good and then last week you play UMass and man did things feel bad after that loss the same UMass team that Hawaii beat earlier this season so uh, I just hoping for BYU, the team, the coaches, everybody involved, that they can go out with a win today. It'll put a good taste in their mouth for going into the offseason. You mentioned kind of that taste in your mouth. It's weird because that UNLV, you mentioned the UNLV game kind of lifted people's spirits around the program. And then after the UMass game, it was almost like that was the lowest of the lows yeah. for this yep. season. Yeah, um, that was that was big. That That loss was just rough and just really weighed on the guys, and they really want to get that off their chest this week. The BYU offense is averaging just 16 points a game this season. How do the Cougars break that trend and put points on the board today? 
You know, the good news is Hawaii gives up 34 a game, so that helps. They started BYU started last week with the bomb. I liked it. It was a good play. It was a good throw. They almost completed it. Uh, but I think, like has been said, you have to establish the run. So against UNLV, uh, BYU passed for 22 times and ran for 42 times. And Squally was turning out yards. The offensive line was working. And last week it was flipped. Past 45, run 26, as Greg alluded to. So uh, I think that's the key, really. you got to get the ground game going. And Squally's figured something out in the last couple of weeks. And he said uh, two weeks ago at Fresno, three weeks ago, he said, I've, I watched film this week and decided I need to be more patient. And I was, I was more patient, patient, patient. But then when I saw the hole, I'd hit it. And I, you can tell. I mean, you watch him, and he, he's getting five yards of carry, six yards of carry. And, and so I think that's the key for BYU. They have to establish the ground game and then throw just to keep Hawaii honest. But the focus is to win on the ground. I asked Mark Lyons this question earlier on the Cougar Countdown show. Now I'm going to ask you. If Joe Critchlow could do something tonight in this game that would solidify him as the number one QB next season going into spring and fall. Oh, I, I mean, throw for 500, 600, give him the edge. But I think the short answer is no. And I was a little bit surprised last week uh, when we asked Kalani that question. And I kind of expected Kalani to say, yeah, you know, Joe's probably our guy next year going in, and it's his to lose. And, and that wasn't the case. I mean, it was uh, it was more just kind of, well, no, I mean, it's going to be an open competition basically next year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't expect Joe to be able to do anything today, and especially because I don't expect Joe to – uh, hopefully Joe doesn't have to throw more than 25 times today and, and maybe get a touchdown or two, uh, but I expect it to be a ground game. So, yeah, I think the, the odds of Joe being able to win the, the spot for next year are slim, but he's, he's of course, going to have a little bit of an edge, and he played real well against UNLV, so hopefully he can have a good game today where they say, yeah, he, maybe he's our guy next year. Well, the interesting part of that question or the answer to that question is he might by default be the guy going into spring ball is uh, obviously Tanner's not going to be ready for the spring and depending on how Bo Hodge recovers from his injuries as well. Yeah, right. And then you got Cody Wilstead and, and right now that's about it. So, yeah, spring, I mean, he'll have the edge going in, but it, it's, it's not it doesn't sound like it's his to lose per se. I mean, it's more uh, maybe he takes the first snap uh, with the ones just because he has a little bit of experience, but it, it's going to be a competition. Hawaii's either trailed or been tied a nine of their 11 games this season at the end of the first quarter and has yet to score on an opening drive all year long. How does BYU take advantage of the Hawaii slow starts? Yeah, they're going to outscore 28 to 80 in the first quarter. I mean, that's exactly what you don't want as a coach and as a team. Uh, so I think you got to feed Squally. Hawaii gives up an average of 200 on the ground. Uh, so that's going to be, I mean, that's boding well for BYU. Uh, they give up about 250 through the air. Uh, BYU needs to hold down Saint, the Hawaii running back. He's just 28 yards away from becoming the single-season UH uh, rushing leader. And uh, you look at Hawaii. This is what I'll be watching early. Hawaii, in their eight losses, they scored less than 23. In each of their three wins, they've scored more than 37. So we're going to watch that first quarter, see if Hawaii puts up points early. If they do, uh, they got a chance to win. If, if they're down around you know, the zero and BYU scored, and you're saying, hey, BYU's probably going to win this thing. You, you mentioned uh, Diosomy St. Just, and I just bring it up because not only is he a good running back and has a chance to set the single-season Hawaii rushing record, but there's, there, there's very few just names that I've heard that are better than Diosomy St. Just. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what's better than that? Nate. Nate. Nate the Great. There yeah. you go. <laughs> hey, Nate, you have been great, and thanks for joining us this, uh, on the Cougar Pregame Live Show. All right, great. Thanks, man.
On the other side, my conversation with head coach Nick Rolovich of the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Wait until you hear what he thinks about this game and where it ranks on the rivalry scale for Hawaii. That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Ben Bagley with you in the BYU Radio Studios here in Provo. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live. We're getting you ready for BYU and Hawaii. Earlier this week, I talked to the head coach of the Rainbow Warriors, Nick Rolovich. I began the conversation asking Coach Rolovich about the importance of this game, BYU-Hawaii, the 30th meeting between the two teams, and what it means to a guy who not only is coaching in this game, but played in this game, and he's about to coach it once again. I didn't realize the depth of this rivalry when – I got to Hawaii or probably after that game. Um, it's really been the the aftermath, the the amount of fans that remember that game. The you know, then they break into the story of the eighty nine team that finally beat BYU after ten or eleven years. Um, and how emotional that was for not only that football team and Coach Wagner but um just the the, the community around the program in the state. It's been something that people have really, you talk about Hawaii football, then you talk about the BYU rivalry. On that note, I mean, in college football, you have your rivalries, and usually that has to do with geography and vicinity. Hawaii being out there on an island, literally, uh, not really a geographical rival. Is BYU one of the bigger rivalries for this Hawaii team? I think it would be the biggest one. Now, we haven't played as consistently over the last maybe decade and a half or maybe 20 years, but um, there's still incredible uh, residue from all the games throughout the the 70s and 80s and and early 90s. This will be the final game of the season for both teams as bowl bowl eligibility is out of the question. Senior day for Hawaii. I believe you guys have got 20 seniors who will play their last game for the Warriors. What what is the mentality for these teams as you wrap up the season on Saturday? Well, I had a talk with a former coach around here about the rivalry and about our situation, and, and he said he said two things. He said, "Right now, the most important game of your life is BYU, and you should be thankful that the schedule makers made it the last game you've seen." In- for senior night, and I think he's right, and that's how we're approaching it. You look at your squad. Diosimi Saint Just has had himself a season with just under, you know, just about fifteen hundred yards rushing this year. What makes him such a productive weapon for this Hawaii team? Well, I think it's his preparation. I think it's his preparation over the last two seasons. Uh, not only does he gain us yards, but he's very efficient in pass pro. Um, I think he's become a complete back. Um, obviously we give credit to our, our guys up front who, you know, try to open the holes for him. He's just a special talent at a, I think a special time with a bunch of teammates that, that care about him and, and he's critical in our success. Um, really the last couple of years. 
Well, you mentioned that he—he's a guy who's in every down—the the, quote-unquote every down back. He can—he can pound up the middle, but he's also there for pass blocking, even even really good out of the out of the backfield. That that's yeah, secu- a few catches. Yeah, yeah, that security blanket. I mean, is it nice to have that weapon on the offensive side that no matter what the situation, you know, you can depend on him. Yes, that's the short answer. Uh, <laughs> he's been a, uh, you know. He's been one of the biggest pieces of, of this football team this season. I know we haven't won as many games, but, um, you know, he's just been a consistent producer for us. And, um, you know, he, he really kind of changed the philosophy when I got the job, him and some of the, the alignment and tight end we have. You know, it was, all right, we've got some talent. Let's use it to, uh, to move the ball and win as many games as we can. We mentioned the importance of this game to both schools, to individuals. One, one individual on your team who this game might be just a little bit more, and BYU fans might be familiar with his name, Dylan Colley, a wide receiver there at Hawaii, transferred from BYU, also brother of legendary BYU wide receiver Austin Colley. Does a game like this mean just a little extra to a guy like Dylan? I think so. Um, probably, I, I don't think there was Hawaii on the schedule when he was up there in Provo, but uh, there's no doubt that he knows what this rivalry means, and he's a great spokesperson for our program. And his voice in the locker room is uh, is gonna it's gonna drive it home what how important this game is. I, I just he's that kind of player. He's important to to the character of our football team. As you prepare for the BYU Cougars for this game. What are you seeing on tape that that surprises you, shocks you, maybe makes you lose a little sleep as you prepare for BYU? Oh, their size up front on the defensive line. I mean, you got a linebacker. I, I think, you know, Fred is, you know, just you don't see those type size guys making the plays he's making. Um, I think – Offensively, um, the amount of shots downfield that were taken, especially in the UMass game, surprised me. Uh, I think, you know, we know we're going to have to cover downfield, and um, I think Squally can can make you miss and and can grind out tough yards. So uh, we're both going through seasons where we wish it ended up different, but it's not uh, the point. I don't think either one of us can say, uh, all right, don't worry about these guys. We got them because this is this, the rivalry. Just emphasizes this football game more. You mentioned uh, the BYU offense taking some shots. Joe Critchlow, a freshman quarterback, will get his third start under center for the Cougars on Saturday against Hawaii. When you see a young, inexperienced quarterback like that, how do you prepare? And you don't have a lot of film on him, but you see some of the pros and cons over the last two weeks. How do you prepare for an offense that, well, frankly, is being run by an inexperienced quarterback? Well, one thing about him is I think he's got a lot of toughness because I think UMass hit him a bunch of times and and he got up and continued to play. Uh, You saw, you know, obviously things didn't always go the Cougars' way in that game, but you didn't see any sign of quit or blame or selfishness. There's still a desire to play the game the right way, and I think that's a tribute to Kalani. Well, Coach Rolovich, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, and good luck this week against BYU. Okay. Thanks, Ben.
When we come back, we'll look at some action in college football and college hoops across the country, including here at BYU. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Final segment of Cougar Pregame Live right here on the BYU New Skin Sports Network. Ben Bagley filling in for Jason Shepard here in the studios of BYU Radio. Let's get you caught up on some of the other scores going on today on a rivalry Saturday in college football looking at the top 25. Number one, Alabama. Down goes Bama. Number six, Auburn. Beats Alabama 26-14. That's going to shake things up. That and the Miami loss yesterday, one and two in the FBS standing or the football champion uh, chip playoff series go down. So look for a shakeup come Tuesday. Number four, Oklahoma. They didn't have a problem. They beat West Virginia 59-31. to Wisconsin, number five in the rankings. They're, hey, they're still undefeated, folks. 31-0 over Minnesota. They're taking Paul Bunyan's axe home uh, to to. Wisconsin. Number seven, Georgia, 38-7 victory over Georgia Tech. Ohio State comes from behind after getting down 14-0 in the first half to beat Michigan 31-20. In the Mountain West Conference, a preview this week of next week's championship game, Fresno State beats number 13, Boise State, 28-17. Locally, Weber State defeats Western Illinois 14-6. They now move on to the second round of the FCS playoffs, and they'll face Southern Utah. So a nice little in-state matchup there on the second in the second round of the FCS playoffs. Checking the BYU scoreboard, the women's hoops team fell at home to Georgia 79-63. Cassie DeVagere led the Cougars with 21 points in the loss. On the men's side, Yoli Childs had 19 points, including a go-ahead dunk with four seconds left to give the Cougars a 68-66 victory over UMass at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. BYU played good defense in the second half, holding the Minutemen to just 34% shooting and 28 points in that half. Elijah Bryant had eight... 18 points, while Jasheer Hardnett scored 10. That's a wrap for the Cougar pregame live show. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougars pregame coaches show with Greg Rebell and Kalani Sataki. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Time to get Coach Kalani Sitake's thoughts on today's game. It's the Cougar Pre-Game Coaches Show, presented by Science Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. I grew up a big BYU fan. I got to play here, and now I'm the coach. I live every day with a lot of gratitude and just happy in the position that I'm in. Now, let's join Mark Lyons and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Aloha and good evening, Cougar football fans. Welcome inside Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii. As tonight, we bid farewell to the BYU football season, a season unlike very many others in Cougar football history, a 3-9 and nine campaign so far that concludes against an old conference colleague suffering through a similar season. The Rainbow Warriors are 3-8, and eight, so both teams playing merely to get into the offseason on a high note after a downbeat slate of games. I'm Greg Rubel. I'll have tonight's play-by-play call here at Windy Aloha 
Omaha Stadium. It is whipping around this venue right now. Assisted, as always, by my friend in football, the one-time BYU signal caller, the Arvada Flash, Mark Lyons. And, uh, Mark, it's been a long time since BYU's been in this particular position, playing a November game with no promise of the postseason. After today, no practices, no bowl game, and no real idea of what truly lies ahead yeah. in what is bound to be a winter of some discontent. Boy, that, well said, my friend. Uh, it is kind of a scary prospectus that we're looking at. Uh, it's really hard to deal with, too. You know, there are three different groups that are going to be involved in the game today. You've got the seniors playing their last game, you know, and they're going to have a, uh, an opportunity to go out here with a victory. And then you've got the, you know, in fact, uh, they'll never, some of those are never going to get to play again, except in maybe in the Turkey Bowl that uh, a lot of them were in, former players, two days ago. Uh, Many of those uh, players that are going to be here next year, they're looking for the turnaround. So they've got an offseason to deal with, and they've also got to play well today. So they're looking at, uh, man, we just can't deal with this disappointment for that long period of time. Uh, so it does make you commit to change the situation for next year. And there are plenty of examples of teams that have turned around bad seasons. So I just think that uh, they are in that situation. But then there's the coaches. You know, they'll also be struggling with the poor result. But my guess is that uh, they are going to be somewhat relieved that the season has come to an end. Recruiting's on the horizon. Many changes are up for next year. And so I do think that all three groups hopefully learn from the trials that they've experienced this year. Who of all of us hasn't had some challenges to overcome? Many of those much more serious than football, but still rise up and make things better in their life. You know, that will be the good fortune for those players and coaches who can overcome this year's disappointments and work hard in the offseason. And Vince Lombardi said, the greatest accomplishment is never failing, but in rising again after you fall. And BYU football fell this season. That was their fall, and so they've got to rise again. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake in our final pregame conversation of this season as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues from Aloha Stadium where it is sunny <laughs> and rainy and windy. It is wild. We're on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Former conference foes facing off tonight in the 30th all-time meeting between BYU and Hawaii. A pair of three-win programs looking for one final feel-good at the end of a tough season. The Rainbow Warriors reeling on a four-game losing skid right now. BYU's won two of four after opening one and seven and enduring their seven-game losing streak. Tough to pick a favorite in this one, I guess. Uh, both teams lag near the back of the pack in the FBS. And while it's more of the same for Hawaii, it's a seventh straight non-winning season overall. This for BYU is unfamiliar territory. A 12-season bowl streak and 11-year run of winning seasons is coming to an end right now. After a 9-4 campaign as the head coach of the Cougars as a rookie, Kalani Sitake now confronted with some stark realities at the end of his sophomore slate. From uncertainty at quarterback to schematic concerns possibly to the invariable personnel losses that BYU will be dealing with at some key spots, including linebacker and offensive line. I spoke with Coach Sitake a short time ago outside the BYU locker room. Kalani back in the same building at which he began his BYU football career as a true freshman oh, wow. here at Aloha Stadium season opener of 1994. I talked with Coach a short time ago. I just feel older, you know, but I, I remember this stadium and, and as a kid, I remember this place, so 
uh, just fitting that BYU and, and Hawaii need to play this game more often. And uh, I think we've, we'll have a lot of support out there. Um, but, yeah, it's about the, the players and the seniors and trying to send them off for the right way with a win and trying to set the tone for next next year. Okay. How do you feel the guys responded to the uh, half week of work once you got here uh, Wednesday? Yeah, I, I thought they practiced really well here at, at, at the high school, local high school that we practiced at. We had two good practices, and uh, we, we had some really good prep time. And then on the downtime, I thought they were really smart, and we were, we were trying to be you know, really wise with how we, we spent our time and making sure that they understand this is a game more than anything. And uh, But I think a lot of our guys caught up on some homework, and uh, utilize the time to eat some good food, you know. And, but um, uh, I thought the preparation was really good. And, and for uh, for our guys going to the last game, I, I think they're really focused. Is it possible to uh, characterize the team's collective mood coming into this final game of the season? Yeah, I think these they're just anxious to get a win. And, and um, I think our guys have not played a complete game all the entire season. And uh, for whatever reasons, you know, and I'd like to see all three phases just um, – you know, just be uh, full swing, and then uh, uh, now's the time to do it. And like I said, trying to get a win for the seniors and trying to set the tone for next season. That's uh, it'd be nice for our guys to play the full sixty minutes on all three phases of the game. You go with Joe at quarterback again, right? Yes, and yep. Joe Joe will be the quarterback, and uh, we'll see what how it goes from there on on out. Now, since Cody hasn't played yet, I guess you'd maybe like to get to the end of the season without maybe needing to play him. Is that a fair thing to say? Or I think it'd be. I mean, it'd be wise to say. Like, I think just don't want to waste his year not saying that it's wasted on one game but um, if there's anything we could do on our end to help preserve that an extra uh, a year of eligibility for him then I think it'd be good for us to do that and uh, I, I appreciate his his um, you know his intent on trying to help the team yeah, yeah but um, it's also my job as a head coach to protect our players and make sure that that they get what they deserve so you hope Joe goes all the way and plays well in the process. Would uh, Coy have to be ready to go uh, in case? Yeah, Coy would be the next up, and, and uh, depending on what the situation is, if, if we need some someone to win the game, then we'll see and evaluate where Cody. We feel comfortable with Cody and Coy being the backups to Joe. Personnel-wise, uh, defensively, it's been uh, a bit of a rough year in terms of guys being in and out, but uh, your linebacking crew is pretty consistent at this point. You'll start the same three guys. And yeah, for now. I mean, I, I, having Butch and, and Fred and, and then having Adam at, at the bow position, so uh, that's kind of where we'll go with that. I, uh, I think everybody's a little nicked up. That's college football, and every team's that way, but um, you know, we'll, we'll have some guys that, that I think can go and some game-time decisions on others. So Defensively, I think we're as healthy as we could ever be right now, and uh, just got to find a way to make it work for the next 60 minutes. Kyrus has been very good for you this year, but he's been banged up too by the end of the year. Yeah, I'm not sure if Kyrus is going to play. I mean, if it was up to him, he would do it, but um, he, he's, he could really put himself at risk if we throw him in the game, and um, you know, and just trying to really help him out and try to protect him, him from himself even. Gotcha. Uh, like you, Hawaii, three wins on the year, but when they win, they tend to play very well and score the ball really well. Yeah, and so uh, defensively, we'll have to be ready for them. I mean, I, I think they're kind of hot and cold, and, and um, you know, defensively, we've been pretty consistent, you know, so I think if we can generate some pressure on the quarterback, um, I think we can probably get some turnovers, and I think that's going to be key to winning this game. What do you make of uh, the QB number two, uh, Drew Brown, for them? Well, Drew's got, I mean, he, he's, he's got moments where he just get, catches on fire, and hopefully that's not one tonight, you know. Um, the running back's really capable of breaking a big one, and I thought we've done a pretty good job all year long of, of keeping guys corralled in and not giving them big, big gains. You know, we even did that against Wisconsin, and so hopefully we can keep him riled up because I think he, if he gets out in open space, he's really difficult to stop. 
I'm sure that uh, although he wasn't part of your group, uh, you wish Dylan Colley well, but just that he doesn't make too many plays today. Oh, yeah, really familiar with the family. I played with Zach, his older brother, and so um, and then obviously we know Austin, and so uh, he's he's caught 50 balls this year, and he's he's their, their main target, and so, um, you know, especially with Ursula getting, getting hurt, but yeah. um, Dylan's a great route runner and, and sure-hand guy, so... Uh, hopefully he has a bad game against us, but I uh, just really wish him the best and as much as we, he can with us still winning. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ursua. He's out with a torn ACL, but he's one of those top three guys that all have uh, local ties uh, back to Utah. Yeah, and, and uh, same thing. I've known his family and his older brother for a while, too. Coached him at Southern Utah. So um, there's a lot of familiar familiar faces on the other side. And even Nick Rolovich and I go way back. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But it's kind of been all year long known guys on the other side. Um, you know, just happy to be here in front of our fans in Hawaii and, and looking forward to, you know, a nice warm game. Finally, if it goes the way you want it to go for you, what do you think is going to have to happen for the Cougars today? We'll win the turnover margin, and then I think uh, for us, just really defensively limit the big gains on their offense, and then offensively just need to get first downs and scores. So that's what it comes down to. Special teams have been pretty um, effective all season long. I think we can really do some things in the, in the return game um, with uh, Mike Shelton at punt return and also at the, the kickoff return. So we'll see how that goes. But I think Johnny's done a great job of flipping the field and giving us a good field position. So if the, if the uh, offense can score points and, and get first downs and the defense can uh, limit big plays, I think uh, and the special teams stay consistent, I think we'll be fine. Well, thanks for a season of pregame interviews. Kalani, we'll talk to you postgame. Thank you, Greg. You're awesome. Go Cougs. All right, uh, that was uh, BYU head coach Kalani Satake a short time ago, and that's our Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. Our preview of BYU and Hawaii continuing in a moment from Honolulu on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Kickoff. Touchdown! Is just around the corner. You're tuned to the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show. Republic Wireless. Life is better when we're connected. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by your local Utah Honda dealers and by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Broadcast Booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Aloha, good evening once again from Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii. As tonight, 3-9, uh, and nine, BYU visits 3-8, and eight, Hawaii. The Rainbow Warriors seeking to extend an eight-game non-conference home win streak. BYU looking for its fourth straight win over Hawaii. The Cougars have won nine of the last ten meetings in this series. The only loss came here 16 years ago when current UH head coach Nick Rolovich was the team's quarterback, and the Rainbow Warriors ruined BYU's perfect season in a 72-45 shellacking that sent the Cougs home with a 12-1 record that would drop to 12-2 and and kind of start the downward spiral that uh, ended with Gary Croton being relieved of his duties following four seasons, the last three of which all featured losing records. This season will be the first sub-500 campaign since Croton's swan song season of 2004. I'm Greg Rubel, joined uh, by my broadcast partner, Mark Lyons, engineer Barry Squires, spotter Doug Martin, statsman Ralph Sokolowski down on the field, former Cougar, wide receiver, return man, and that 
Academic All-American, Nate Mickle. Nate reports from the Zions Bank end zone. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Nate joining us later in our pregame show for his final pregame show as he bids our radio audience farewell after tonight. Ben Bagley is in for Jason Shepard, serving as our studio host. Our control board operator is Carter Malloy, and our broadcast intern is Michael Shreve. We are heard tonight on the new skin BYU Sports Network via satellite on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, over the air on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're also on our network affiliates in Utah and Idaho, around the world online at BYURadio.org, BYUcougars.com slash live radio, KSL.com, and on the BYU Cougars app, the BYU Radio app, the KSL Radio app, and the TuneIn apps. Wherever you may be tonight, we're glad you're joining us for one final time this season. Well, yeah, after 12 games, 12 games, we've seen 12. We can certainly draw some reasonable conclusions about the 2017 BYU football team, regardless of the outcome today. And among those conclusions is that uh, the defense and special teams generally performed well enough to expect at least uh, a few more wins than, than the three they got. Uh, the Cougars' offensive attack, though, never consistently performed at a bowl-eligible level. Uh, it, was, it was a constantly rotating cast of characters, a quarterback and running back. Only a handful of playmakers really identified, and, and 16 points per game mark is the result. And even with acceptable play on defense and special teams, 16 points per game will not get it done. Not one about half of the teams in the FBS uh, scored 30-plus. Yeah. You know, in today's game, 16 is anemic. You know, it's just, uh, it's very hard to believe that it's going to be that low of a number. And so, in evaluating what they were doing so far, either there is no specific problem that can be identified and fixed, or there are multiple problems that are too big to find a fix. So the injuries that have created an inconsistent performance, you know, and uh, the injuries, the opponents that you've played, you know, but for the four parts of offense, the quarterback, running back, the O-line receivers, you know, they have to have made a better improvement, I think, throughout the season. We've seen exceptional individual performances in some games. We've seen great passes. We've seen great catches. We've seen terrific runs. All of those make that uh, feeling that you are able to play the game. There's been good protection for the quarterback. So if something happens, and it happens sometimes, and you have to believe that they have the ability to make those plays, more than just some time. Inconsistent performances by any of the four offensive group is a lack of uh, the group doing it right every play. So I think this comes from a lack of focus or effort. Uh, if you can do it five times, coaches should expect it can be done all the time. So it takes 11 players doing everything right every down. Here's a nice example. K.J. Hall's 75-yard run for a touchdown against San Jose, right? Was that mm -hmm. San Jose? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the lineman pulls out and makes a good block on the end. The two wide receivers come out and take out their first line of defense in the secondary. And K.J. Hall outruns the offside safety to the end zone. If they're able to get out and block that so well, which was just perfectly done, made that avenue for him to run through, they should be able to set that up more than one time this season. So I just think that... Uh, you're able to perform it well one time. You've got to be able to perform it more than one time. So it takes every down, every player, and everybody has to be committed to do their very best on every down. 
All right, we've got more of the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show. We're coming up from Honolulu, Hawaii, and Aloha Stadium. Stay in touch with nationwide smartphone coverage starting at $20 a month. Republic Wireless, better coverage in more places for less money. This is BYU Football Live from Honolulu on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back inside Aloha Stadium in Honolulu for the 2017 BYU football season finale. Cougars facing Hawaii for the first time in five years. These two teams will get together again next season in Provo as this latest two-game series concludes. Both of these teams were bummed out in the Beehive State last Saturday. UH went to Logan and lost 38-0 to Utah State. While BYU lost its senior day home finale 16-10 to a three-win UMass squad now with four. BYU freshman Joe Critchlow, after an impressive of outing in his starting debut at UNLV eight days prior. Struggled last Saturday. 21 of 45. One touchdown, four interceptions yeah. after the game. And in the days following, the coaches conceded, Mark, that they uh, they gave Joe too much to do and had him play a game that he wasn't really ready to play. Instead of leaning on the run and a quick pass approach, it was a drop-back heavy game plan that Critchlow was ultimately probably unprepared to fully execute. I guess the question is maybe why the play-calling situation was maybe misread to start with. And and why it wasn't maybe fixed in-game. But either yeah. way, clearly, Critchlow is still a work in progress. He's young. Yeah, exactly right. And I'm going to defend Joe Critchlow a little bit. You know, he made many good throws on long balls that were just barely off the fingertips against really good coverage. UMass had eight pass breakups in that game last week. And so, you know, they were very good at the corners playing the wide receivers. Uh, two of his passes that were intercepted, one's a tip ball that fell in the defensive lineman's lap. Mm-hmm. The other was a fourth down play, and he's just trying to make something happen in the end zone. So he threw that ball away. So I think that uh, he had two real picks, but he had crazy pressure in his face all game that didn't protect very well to take care of him. So you got a question. Since the coverage was good on the outside and they were having a hard time protecting in order to throw the football, Why weren't they running the ball a little bit more? That's the question that does come up. So, uh, in fact, uh, UMass gives up 200 yards a game on the ground. So the score was 3 to nothing at half. To answer kind of your question that you're asking, yeah, I think they had an opportunity at halftime. The game wasn't out of reach. They probably had enough to reevaluate what they were doing, adjust. And uh, would that have changed if they'd come out and run Squally Canada a lot in the second half? We don't know, but it's an option that we didn't get to see that I thought certainly was a potential thing to do. All right, it is break time once again as we step away. Let's get to You Be the Judge, brought to you by Legally Mine. Legally Mine equals asset protection. Go to LegallyMineUSA.com to learn what you can do to stop lawsuits dead in their tracks. Here's today's football rules scenario. First and goal. On the opponent's five-yard line, a wide receiver controls a pass in the air in the opponent's end zone, gets both feet down, and is then hit by a defender, causing him to go to the ground where he loses possession of the ball. The pass is ruled complete. Is this complete and a touchdown? The answer coming up next as the Republic Wireless Cougar kickoff show continues from Aloha Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
songs sung here at Aloha Stadium. They follow the national anthem with the Hawaii Pono'i song, and that's coming up next, but we'll just uh, stay with the anthem and call it good for today. All right, uh, we had the uh, you be the judge rules scenario before the break. Uh, let's recap this, uh, the, the, the situation. The rules scenario is as such. First and, first and goal on the opponent's five-yard line, a wide receiver controls a pass in the air in the opponent's end zone, gets both feet down, and is then hit by a defender, causing him to go to the ground where he loses possession of the ball. The pass is ruled complete. Is this a touchdown? And the ruling is, well, first of all, it's reviewable. They can look at it, and they are to confirm the ruling on the field, completed pass, touchdown. If the receiver has completed the catch, remains upright with the ball firmly in his control, the ball is dead in the end zone and is a touchdown. If he then goes to the ground as the result of a second occurrence, it remains a touchdown. However, if there's any question of whether the catch has been completed or if he goes to the ground during the process of the catch and loses the ball, whether on his own or due to contact by an opponent, then the pass is incomplete. You be the judge, presented by Legally Mine. Well, I mentioned earlier, Mark, uh, the, the BYU defense has played uh, better perhaps than this win-loss total has represented this season. But it is a team game, and rarely will only one yeah, phase good. of the game be enough to get you where you want to go. So it's uh, just something to consider. That said, there were areas in which the BYU D also struggled this season, particularly in pass defense and in the havoc and takeaway department, and the two components are related. BYU's pass defense was statistically among the worst in college football, and because of the coaching concerns in the second the front seven pressure was dialed back considerably. And because there was less pressure, there were fewer takeaways. BYU's havoc rate, which is measured by tackles for loss, passes picked and broken up, and fumbles forced, that rate plummeted from top 20 last season to bottom 20 this season. And the number of takeaways is roughly half of what it was last year. The defense has been solid, but has mirrored the offense in simply not making enough plays. Yeah, the playmakers, that's what you need. It's pretty interesting to see that... uh, the, the defense has done a respectable job. They've uh, controlled uh, scores pretty well. But on the part of getting turnovers and creating short fields to assist the offense, that's what you're talking about. It just hasn't existed. They've been pretty good in keeping teams out of the end zone. That's the other part of the defense. They've limited scores. Now, 20 times this season, teams have started with short fields. I'm talking about a field that's less than 50 yards. Six stops. Nine field goals and five TDs have been given up by the the defense. That's and so, good. yeah, I think that's pretty good. The 14, 15 out of 20 did not give up touchdowns. So uh, the defense has been able to play, and they've been play, they thought we were gonna we thought we were gonna see more man to man this year, but so far that pressure and the quarterback hasn't been there and been tough. The plan didn't come to fruition. Here's the part though that's been a little bit challenging. BYU has uh, given up 36 drives this season that are greater than 65 yards. And that's the part where BYU's been a little bit challenged on the defensive side because they're getting them off the field on short fields, but they have a hard yeah. time in stopping the long fields. It's crazy. And it's a teams, counterintuitive is what yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and teams have completed nearly 65% of their passes thrown this year. Mm. And so those are the challenges that you look at that you want to see different on the defense. All right, coming up, we've got Nate Mickle down at field level where it's now raining a bit as our pregame coverage of BYU and Hawaii continues live from Aloha Stadium. This is the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
Let's pause 10 seconds now for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM, HD2, Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. All right, so back here in Honolulu for BYU and UH. BYU will finish the 2017 season at either 4-9 and nine or 3-10. and 10. We hope it's the former because BYU's only once ever had a double-digit loss season, the 0-11 campaign of 1949. Either way, the 2017 campaign will give BYU its first losing record since 2004. The next season, Bronco Mendenhall came in as head coach. Robert and I moved in as the OC, and... Uh, One of the players they counted on to build BYU back was a slot receiver and kick returner named Nate Mickle. In Broncos' words, Nate was trustworthy. It got him on the field in important positions and important times, and Nate embodied the Bronco way. Perhaps a bit undersized, the work ethic and desire were not. Nate was a big-time player and playmaker. He was smart. He was tough. And he was indeed someone you could trust. It was true on the field, and it's been true off the field as well, as Nate has for most of the last decade served as our broadcast colleague during these radio broadcasts, working the sidelines and reporting from the locker room. He's been our post-game third man in the booth and our dear friend. And, Mark, tonight's our last night with Nate. Yeah. And as hard as this season has been, it's always been easy to toss it down to Mr. Mickle. We are going to miss him. Absolutely. You know, and I can only echo you, Greg. I'm echo you. I'm going to say the same things. He's a hard worker tough as nails, smart about getting open. He's a big playmaker. He could catch third down passes for first downs like crazy. You know, he's completely trustworthy. He helped make that 11-2 season in 2006. Now, he still hangs around with guys like Brian Keel, Johnny Harleen, Dave Nixon. Those guys make up the BYU Rat Pack. And, uh, you know, I learned so much about, Nate, about the athlete of today compared to what the athlete was like 50 years ago. And it was just enlightening to find out that there are a different kind of relationship between what the athlete does today. I always like discussing with him the differences of challenges playing in the East Coast and the West Coast. We always got pretty uh, heated about that one. But uh, Nate was a great guy to be able to stick the mic in the front of a coach who's losing at halftime and say, Coach, what's up with that? You know, so... uh, it's been great. Uh, we're going to miss Nate, that's for sure. Let's bring in the man himself, uh, Nate Mickle, reporting from the Zions Bank end zone. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And Nate, uh, perhaps you could take a moment and uh, let Cougar Nation know why you're leaving. Why are you leaving us? Wow. Well, first of all, what an introduction. I mean, I, I don't think either of you would feel very comfortable uh, being talked about for more than a few seconds. Um, <laughs> there are very few things that I would leave you two for, BYU football for. Uh, but I finished my Ph.D. And, and moving out of state and just will no longer be physically able to fly into all the games. So it's, it's, uh, it's man, it's sad. Uh, I have to admit, last week uh, at the home, my, my last home game, guys, you threw it down to me before the game and I actually got choked up. Tears came to my eyes and it was, it was hard to get the words out. Uh, BYU football uh, means so much to me and all the time I've spent working with you guys means so much to me. So uh, I just, it, it's really been a life highlight to be a part of the program. Like I said last week, my, my dad was a diehard Cougar fan. I'm a diehard Cougar fan. It's been a dream come true and just couldn't be more grateful for this opportunity. Well, not every great player makes a great broadcaster, but uh, Nate was one of those guys who took what he did on the field and translated it really well 
to the field and the broadcast booth with the headset on. So, Nate, uh, once again, our appreciation to you. I speak for all of Cougar Nation when I thank you. Let's get through one more game, and hopefully the Cougars give you a, a winning effort to send you off into whatever's next. Out of Hawaii. Absolutely, there Greg. We go. <laughs> all right. Uh, kickoff is coming up after this. We'll get Mark's Ken Garf keys to the game, the coin toss, and the opening kick. This has been the Republic Wireless Cougar Kickoff Show, live from Honolulu, Hawaii, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.